It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping that we find you all safe and well and indoors. Uh, John Fall taking your calls at 0818103103. Text or WhatsApp to 0862103103. Well, it seems that tens of thousands of homes in Kerry and in Cork are now without power as Storm Eunice hit the southwest with gusts of more than 130 kilometres per hour reported in some areas along with heavy rain. We'll get the view as to what is happening locally with regard to flooding and road closures in just a moment. But firstly, I want to check in with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning, Tricia. And you're, you're very welcome to the programme. Has Storm Eunice lived up to what it was expected to be? Well, I think the timing has caught a few people out and thankfully the worst of the storm has stayed south. Now, we did expect the worst of the storm to be south but um, I think parts of maybe Clare and, and North Kerry may, may have escaped what we thought might have been the worst of it. But unfortunately, it does look like parts of Cork have hit, have reached to a, the highest speeds and seen the biggest damage. So it pretty much is as forecast for Cork, to be fair. And the timing, unfortunately, as I say, was probably a little bit out and, and the red warning um, lapsing at 8 a.m. because it was between 8 and 9 o'clock that we've seen the strongest gusts across the country, which is at Roach's point of 137 kilometres an hour gust with sustained winds of 93 kilometres an hour. And that's well in excess of the red warning. Um, and obviously, I, I, I'm sure you've seen reports locally, of a lot of trees down um, and a lot of damage and obviously a lot of power outages. So, yeah, for Cork, I think it's it's been pretty much spot on. It's just a little bit unfortunate. Maybe the timing around the red, red warning might have sent people out um, after 8 o'clock thinking the worst had, had passed. Yeah, and the so and the red warning has been lifted, but but that doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet. No, still an orange warning, um, and still gusting to 117 kilometres an hour at Roaches Point in the last hour, um, and 122 kilometres an hour at Cork Airport. So the strongest wind at Cork Airport, um, just updated there now, was actually in the last hour. Um, so you're still seeing some very strong winds there, and the orange warning is in place until 11 o'clock now. 
it will move fairly quickly. So thankfully that those really extreme gusts will probably start to ease off or already are in parts of West Cork and as you move further east then. So the worst of the storm will have cleared, but it's going to feel bitterly cold. There's going to be showers of sleet and rain and maybe even snow on some higher ground. Um, and obviously that's going to make challenging conditions for ESB crews. My main concern for people would be those without power, make sure that they're going to be able to get you know the heat because I don't know how quickly those ESB crews, in fairness, they're amazing, the work to do, but they're going to have their hands full and how long people might be without power. Yeah, actually, we're going to be speaking with somebody from the ESB networks in a, a couple of minutes, but uh, yeah, they're a fantastic bunch, and I know the local authority are all on standby as well, because we are we're certainly getting reports in of trees down in various areas that need to be uh, cleared. So, by this afternoon, you think the worst of it would definitely be gone? Yeah, no, the, the worst it will definitely be gone by this afternoon in terms of winds, but it's not going to be a pleasant afternoon. It's, it's not going to um, suddenly stop. Um, it's just the worst of those winds. It'll just be kind of like a wet and windy day, I suppose. And there will be blue spells, there will be breaks in the rain, um, so that might be, help people, but it's going to feel bitterly, bitterly cold um, in, that, in that northwesterly breeze. So people want to wrap up if they are heading out, Patricia. It's, going to, it's not going to be nice, and unfortunately... It's going to stay breezy over the weekend and there's going to be a lot more rain coming over the weekend. As ah, well. My last question was going to be to you. If you any good news for the weekend and you don't? The good news is I uh, hope the power comes back and you can snuggle <laughs> in underneath the duvet, Patricia. <laughs> All right, listen, always a pleasure to talk to you, Alan. Thank you for that. And uh, uh, stay safe. That is Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Uh, Mairead Tuig, our news reporter, uh, joins us uh, with a look of what's going on uh, locally. Um, hi, good, good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Patricia. Alan said they're snuggling under the duvet for the weekend. Sounds like a great plan. It, it, it does indeed. And even though, as Alan said, the red weather alert has been lifted, but we're now into an orange uh, weather warning. Uh, what are you hearing locally? Yeah, you're right, Patricia. Orange until 11. And I was just looking at the Metairn website, the yellow one now, wind and rain is until 6pm this evening. It was until 3pm originally. So definitely, as Alan said, cold and, and conditions all day. So yeah, a lot of power cuts across the city and county and ESB crews are working hard to restore that. Powercheck.ie is, is where uh, people can check for you know estimated restoration times. I'm aware that when the power goes out, the Wi-Fi goes out. So if that's not an option, the uh, ESB has numbers as well. And I know you're going to hear from, from Jim Hernan in a short while. Um, I suppose looking to the roads and the advice is while the orange warning is in places, if you don't have to go out, don't, because there is still some treacherous conditions out there. And the, that orange warning is lifting at 11. So there's trees down across the, the city and county. And I suppose, you know, when you're on back roads and by roads, that when you're coming around a corner, just expect the unexpected because you just don't know what, what what's going to be out there. Could be a branch, could be a tree, could be anything. Um, Irish Rail, their services are running now. Now, as normal earlier, they were running at reduced speed on the Mallow and Cove Middleton lines, but they're back running now at normal speed. But do expect delays, I suppose, a knock-on effect from from earlier. Uh, Cork Airport uh, was having a look there at their their arrivals and departures. There was some flights cancelled this morning, um, and the advice there check with your airline. Those were Aer Lingus flights. Um, but but as I say again, check with your airline for for the latest uh, travel updates from there. The Jersey cable car, it's not operating today. And I understand uh, once they review it that they'd have to make sure that there's no damage there before um, it gets back operational again. 
And uh, so, yeah, the, the main advice really is while this orange warnings in place is not to go out. And um, and if you do go out, take extreme care. I was talking to Victor Shine, who's the second officer with Cork City Fire Brigade yesterday. And we we're just chatting about some advice, you know, for, you know, if you see the emergency services going out and responding today, just, you know, give them space, you know, move in, have you know, respect them. And they're going about doing their job. So, so yeah, that's, that's the main advice. Looking to Bantry then, I know there would have been concern in Bantry about possible flooding, but thank Thankfully, Bantry escaped flooding. There was pumps um, uh, deployed this morning. Uh, Project Barrett from Cork County Council was saying they were deployed just before 6am. And thankfully, um, no premises in Bantry got flooded. So that must be relief for, for business owners and residents down in Bantry who suffered immensely over, you know, over the last few years with, with flooding. And it must be a real fear when, you know, there's a storm coming in a red warning when going to bed at night. It, it can't be easy. So and looking on Twitter, I mean, both local authorities are fantastic for updates and constantly updating Twitter with, you know, road closures and that roads have reopened. So one of them there is over in Grange as you're heading over to the Kinsale Road roundabout. There was a tree blocking the way there for a while and traffic had to be diverted. Um, and that would be a route that would be quite busy, especially at, you know, peak travel times. But that has now reopened. So that's been cleared. Um, Cork City Council are advising that in Glanmire, Sarsfield Court Hospital, the road there is closed for about half an hour. So it should be opening soon. That was to clear some debris. And the road between Glanmire and Riverstown Cross is currently blocked. In Blarney, um, the OR579 and Station Road are closed. Killone and Waterloo Roads are now open, though. So it's going to be a lot of that throughout the day as as crews get to, to fallen trees and debris to clear it. And, uh, and hopefully um, they'll get to it sooner and that most routes will be open and possible. But again, the advice is just take extreme care when you're on the road because you just yeah, don't know what. And, and only make that journey if it's absolutely necessary. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. All right, listen, Marie, thank you for that. I appreciate you taking our call. Uh, good morning to you. Stay safe. That is uh, Mairead uh, Tuick, our news uh, reporter. And before that, Alan O'Reilly from uh, Carlo uh, Weather. Uh, by text, morning from a stormy Bantry, listening to your station on my little battery-operated radio, listening loud and clear. Stay safe and thanks for all the weather updates. Uh, thank you for that. And somebody was on just there before we went into news at 10 to say electricity is back on Maryborough Hill so thus proving that the ESB networks are out doing their work uh, well done to them keep us updated if you have been out and about and uh, you know of a tree down or a road closure or if there's flooding in any area let us know so that we can pass it on to other listeners 0818 103 103 John Paul taking the calls there text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
Sheeran on C103 and that is uh, Shivers. Thank you to somebody who says there's a tree down on the blind side of the bend on the Canturk Fremont Road just beyond the cemetery. Someone describes it as being particularly dangerous. Please be careful if you're driving in that area. Blind side of the bend on the Canturk Fremont Road just beyond the cemetery. Tree down on the N22. One lane traffic at Kalosh the East Gone in Ballyvorney. Trees down between Belgooley and Riverstick. Reports of a tree down along with cables at White Church that's near the uh, school and thank you to Lisa to our C103 Facebook message service to say the motorway bypassing for Moy still closed traffic is backed up as far as the Amber Garage on the Dublin Road and the motorway I'm told continues to remain closed uh, at the M8 at at Formoy and diversions are through Formoy Town we're keeping an eye on that as soon as that motorway reopens there's a tree down at Gibbons Grove on the Milford to Charleville Road and the organisers of the Kildallery Drive-In Bingo due to be held tonight have contacted us to say it is cancelled 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. As we've been hearing, uh, thousands of homes here in Cork and in Kerry are without power as Storm Eunice is doing her stuff with gusts of anything up to 170 kilometres per hour being reported in some areas. Jim Hernan is with the ESB Networks and Jim joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Jim. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? I'm very well. A very busy, busy morning for your cruise and we're already hearing of people whose power has been restored. So do I take right. it crews are out and about working? Yeah, Patricia, we've had our, our 24-7 on call. People have been working right through the night. Our full repair crews mobilised before first light. So yes, we, we have some repairs, early repairs completed. Focus is obviously on assessing damage, making anything that's dangerous safe and restoring supply then as quickly as, as is safely possible. Okay, and uh, and obviously if, you, if people come across a power line that is down, don't go near it, but do they need to report it? Oh, absolutely, Patricia, yeah. And that's, I suppose that's our, our underlying message here for everybody. Um, our crews will be working through the day to restore supply. But if anyone does come across a damaged network or wires down, 
they should stay clear. They must assume they're live, even if they themselves are without supply. They must assume the network is live. Ring 1800-372-999, and we will prioritise response to any of those locations. Um, that, that's absolutely, that's, a, that's our priority. Do you need people to contact you if their power goes out, or are you very much aware of where the power is out? At this stage, we're certainly aware of all the larger locations, Patricia, because a lot of our systems automatically pick up where loss of supply is. But the best advice I can give customers there is our real-time information is on powercheck.ie. If they log on there, they'll see both graphically and in lists where we can see we have outages at the moment. If they don't see their own location there, they can actually log their outage on powercheck.ie or they can ring 1800-372-999. But the quickest way to record their outage is to actually enter their details on PowerCheck and we'll, we'll pick up on that straight away. We know, and we were just speaking with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather, we know that Storm Eunice is going to be a, a short, sharp storm and that it is moving uh, through uh, Cork and, you know, it's, it's going to blow out fairly quickly. Uh, because of that, do you, do you expect power t- to have most people's power back today? Most people, I would expect, yes, Patricia, but it's a developing situation for us. What we're actually seeing, and I'm sure Alan as well, we're seeing that the storm is tracking eastward. So uh, we've taken our early damage from early last night and into this morning was West Cork and literally from Castletown Bear, Baltimore, right up the west of the county. But as I look at it now, we're also taking damage right across to West Waterford, South Tipperary, um, and we've substantial amount of damage actually in and around the city and the suburbs as well. So it's sort of, it, it has been tracking eastward through the day. Uh, Met Aaron are telling us that the winds are likely to be around from the northwest, which would be unusual for us, but could also cause damage. So we, we'll, we, we're not really expecting the damage and the numbers to stabilize until the mid-afternoon. And at that stage, we, we'll start to develop a very good sense of restoration times. And again, if people want to check in on powercheck.ie, they'll get their best uh, real-time view of that. Yeah, that power check is it's a fantastic uh, service. It, it really is. Listen, we're thinking of all of the crews uh, today. Uh, it's going to be a busy one and some of the conditions will be quite tricky for, for some of your crews. So we're, we're thinking of all of them today. Uh, and as always, Jim, uh, thank you very much. And uh, thanks to all the crews who just do amazing work. We really do appreciate yep. it. You're very welcome. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks Take a care. million. Bye-bye. That is Jim Hernan from the ESB Networks, powercheck.ie, uh, for you to, to check us. And they're, and they're really good at the, at the real time as to when they, you, they expect to get it back. And it is, it really is uh, very, very accurate uh, indeed. Hi, Patricia, just to let you know, there's a tree down on the road between Milford and Newtown. Mary sending that into us. Uh, thank you for that. And I think if you do have to go out, that's the one thing, no matter, you know, drive slowly and carefully. And it's when you're coming around bends, you just don't know what to expect. And as I say, let us know if you come across anything like what Mary has done there so that we can pass it on and share it with us. Uh, others. Now, uh, 0818103103, uh, John Paul taking your calls. I was wondering, would we hear from people about this on the National Driving Licence Service uh, the the NDLS uh, centres. Good morning, Patricia, says Margaret. Did I hear correctly this morning there are plans to close the NDLS office in Mallow. Where will we have to go now? Is this another blow for the older drivers? Michael is in Mill Street, joins me on this uh, topic. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Is it very windy in Mill Street? Uh, it's not too, it's not, not too bad. It's calmed down there. OK, and you didn't lose power or anything? No, no. No, thank God. No, my, my point is... Driving licence. Driving licence. I think that's completely just 
discriminating against uh, people of my age that are not um, really computer literate. While, while I can go on Zoom and things like that and use their smartphone, but there's no way I could uh, renew my licence online. And even though you have a com- you have access to a computer and you, you do use the computer, but you wouldn't feel comfortable or confident enough? No, no. No, no. I could not. Well, I could uh, receive emails and things like that. I, I, I don't actually know how to sing one. And then the argument, would you have a family member that could help you out? Yeah, but I shouldn't have to have that. Yes, you're so right. You shouldn't. I shouldn't have to have that. I mean, that is discrimination against the likes of us. And it isn't just older people. You've also got people who live in areas where they don't even have a decent broadband connection so that they wouldn't be even, even if they were computer literate, they're not going to be able to do it. Yes. Okay, one way out of it is provide that type of a service in every town and village in in the country. Yeah, yeah. All right, as I say, it's only a breaking uh, story. I think there's going to be a lot of public representatives, I think a lot of TDs, because they're going to be hearing about it from constituents because everyone's not going to be happy. And and have you been into, would would Mallow be your nearest NDLS centre? Mallow, Mallow, yes. Yeah, and have you got in there to renew your licence at any yes, stage? Yes, uh, I went in there when I, when I turned 70. Brilliant. Before I turned 70, I went in there. And I found the staff very, very helpful. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. They've, they're, yeah. they're beyond helpful and kind to people. All right, Michael, listen, thank you for that. And, okay. uh, and thanks for joining us. And actually, just can I just stay on driving licence for a minute? Uh, because something else that has just come out is the age at which, which applicants for a driving licence must supply a medical report That's been increased from 70 to 75 from next Monday. Under the new rules, the age group of drivers under 75 will no longer have to supply a medical report confirming their fitness to drive unless there's an identified or specified illness are they required to do so by law and I saw a Professor Desmond O'Neill who is with the National Office for Traffic Medicine and he said this change is very much welcomed in terms of recognising that older drivers are an exceptionally responsible group of drivers and he said in addition the change is supported by international research which indicates that routine medical screening of older drivers is not only ineffective but ineffective but it may actually unintentionally increase injury amongst older people as uh, pedestrians. So it was the Junior Transport Minister Hildegard Nocton who's made the announcement that people who are 70 years of age and over can now apply and renew their driving licence as they've been doing up to the age of 70 without the need for a medical report. Drivers up to the age of 75 can simply renew their licence or learn a permit in person. <laughs> in person, while the NDLS offices are open, Hindegard Nocton, or they can do it online or, or, or by post. And of course, the driving licence remains free to anybody over the age of uh, 70. And the Road Safety Authority believes that between February and August of this year, there was in the region of 15,000 applications a month 
from people aged over the age of 50. And of course, again, during the pandemic, the requirement for people over 70 to provide a medical report, that was temporarily suspended to comply with the social distancing. So they had been issuing driving licence to people over 70 without a medical search, but they've now brought it in and made it law. And that comes in from next uh, Monday. But we'll see if we can get an update on what is happening with the with the National Driving Licence Service, the NDLS offices, and when they're planning on closing. I don't know if, if we've got a date or not. We're just hearing that they are permanently going to be closed nationwide. 0818 103 103. You can text your WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A couple of quick announcements about trees down. There's a tree down at Gibbons Grove. Cove that's on the Milford Charleville Road and a caller has just contacted to say there's a tree down between Sheepmount Cross and Castle Magnor Village and someone else has been on Patricia you might let your listeners know that the road from Leem Lara to Barclamy and the road to Broderick's Cross to Barclamy is closed and that's t- due to trees down at the new line that is from John thank you for that John and Avril who had her power back for in Maryborough Hill says great praise to the ESB crews in fairness to them they are playing a blinder now Cork County Council has confirmed it's examining new Newer technologies that will allow parking meters to be upgraded so that they will accept cashless payments. Fine Gael Councillor Kay Dawson has welcomed the news and Kay joins me this morning. Good morning to you Kay. Good morning Patricia. Uh, Kay, and firstly while we're praising the ESB crews I was also praising the local authority. You've got teams out all over the county. Uh, uh, yeah uh, and the preparation that went in yesterday by the staff of the council was um, anything that could be done to make him safer was done. The barriers went up in Fumai. The bridge was closed in Kilbella Volland. You know, they're on the ball, unfortunately. These things have become more frequent. So there's a strength inside the council now on how to protect people as best we can. Yeah, it's great because, like, well, for most of us, you know, the advice is to stay indoors, and that's what we do. We stay at home and we forget about crews that have to go out there in all kinds of conditions, either preparing for it or then, you know, after the event with a clear, with a clear up. Yeah, and our, our staff are just, it's a big thank you from everybody yeah. to them because they put themselves, well, they don't put themselves in danger because they won't do that. But but they're they are out there and to help and support in any way they can. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well said. Now, this uh, initiative. Do you feel this initiative is long overdue? As many people don't carry cash, or not as many people carry cash anymore. I think it's become very obvious, not just for the meters, if for someone that's involved in voluntary groups and you know bucket collections and that. That has completely changed. People pass you and they apologise because they haven't got money. So, so it's been coming for a while that um, we're becoming more cashless. And I think COVID accelerated it, that it was tap um, for most things, do you know? Tap and tap and go. Have other local authorities introduced similar cashless parking meters? I was in, happened to be in Killarney last Saturday. And there was, and I think it's important that there's the choice that you have um, the tap and or kind, because you will find some people don't work off of cards, do you know? Mm. Um, and they'll always um, bring change because that's how they function. 
famous when you go through the toll. Some of us have tags and others pay the cash, do you know? So yeah, I don't think we're quite ready yet to go completely cashless, that you'd have to give both. So both options will be available yeah. and, and, and that is I, I'm not saying that they will because this has been looked at. Okay. So I haven't seen a report back yet of, but we would be asking for that. But when you were in Killarney, were, was, were, were both options available? Did you know? They, they were. They were. Okay. Yeah. You okay. could tap it or you could um, put coins in. Because even because even if you have money with you, it's it's trying to get the exact amount and the correct coins, and you're then running around trying to find a shop to see if you can get change. It, you know, it, this will be much more convenient people for people. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah. So what? So what's happening now is they're just examining it. Is there? There's no plan in place for a trial or anything. This would have come from Councillor Noel McCarthy. I never take credit for, for something that I didn't do. Okay. <laughs> um, and Noel would have brought it in looking for 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 my because we were reviewing the parking at um you know the way there was no charge and then we were looking at reintroducing it and then what would work best and then it went to CPG um, which is where management and some councillors meet you know mm. and it was brought up at that level and um, Tim Lucy our CEO said he would go away with it look at it and see, because there is a cost factor, Patricia, interchanging okay. those machines and things. Okay, and, and I'm also thinking for areas where there are a lot of tourists. Uh, it would be, be fantastic for tourists. It would. Yeah. 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 Does pay parking generate a lot of income for the council? Well, you see, you have the other costs with it. Where you have paid parking, the money only goes back to the area where there's pay paid parking. It okay. doesn't, say for instance, Mitchelstown doesn't benefit from paid parking, whereas my does because the people in my have paid for their parking. So, but there is a cost because you need to have your traffic ordinance in and the maintenance of those meters and things. So, but there is money, yeah. But the biggest reason for them is to be able to turn over so that your people constantly able to access nearest to those premises. You know, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, when it's people have a tendency, if parking is free, just to abandon their cars and leave them there all day. And they could be there for two or three days, and, yes. and that means no one else can can um, because because even when saying for my the nearest car park is slightly more expensive, so that um, you haven't people leaving their cars there all day. Um, that it's more for the quick turnaround to access the post office to you know for people that are just coming in. For twenty minutes, a half an hour, to get a few bits and out again. Okay, so hopefully into the future for people that it suits, as you say, they'll be able to tap and go with uh, cashless uh, payments. Okay, uh, listen, Kay, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program. Good morning, bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, for Moy Councillor uh, Kay uh, Dawson. Actually, just staying in for Moy, the M8 has now fully reopened at the Blackwater Viaduct as the winds have eased. Okay, so the motorway has now uh, reopened because I know that was causing problems. Certainly. It was causing problems in Formoy with a backlog of uh, traffic.
I can see a lot of people now starting to react to this news that the National Driving Licence Service Office, the NDLS offices are all due to permanently close and from now on in order to get your driving licence you're going to have to go on uh, line. Uh, hi Patricia, what's going to happen to people who, can't, who have no bo- broadband or simply can't afford it says Chris and with the cost of living and people looking at ways of saving money around the house, maybe getting rid of broadband broadband might be something that some people will decide to do. Chris, uh, you're right. Morning, Patricia. The powers that be that are closing all of these places all of these places and then forcing people to do all of their work on uh, line. They're also leaving their staff go. It's another awful situation that we have arrived at says uh, Pat. And it isn't while we have been focusing on the three NDLS centres in, in here in Cork, the one, there's one in Cork City, there's one in Mallow that services the North Cork area and there's one in Skibbereen that services the West uh, Cork area. This is a nationwide uh, issue. It is happening at all of the NDLS offices and I know I was just doing a quick Google search. It was raised in the Dáil uh, yesterday. It was the, the Clare TD, Michael McNamara. He was raising the, the, raising the issue of the difficulties encountered by some of his constituencies, constituents during the pandemic when you couldn't go into the NDLS offices because they were closed and that, you know, uh, people then had to, were forced to go online. You know, and he was pointing out, you know, he gave the story of some elderly man who had to get his grandson to make the appointment online and just they completely complete inconvenience of it and that he described it as blackguarding of the elderly and as even Michael in Mill Street who spoke with me in earlier this hour, you know, when I said, was saying to him, it'll be said to you, do you, not, do you not have somebody that can help you out? As Michael said, why should I ask somebody to help me out? And, and that's, you know, that, that is right. It's a service that's been provided by the government and it should be provided for all. And we, you know, people shouldn't be forced to have to go to somebody else to say, I can't do this. Can you do it for me? I can definitely see the argument that's been made by people on uh, that one. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about this. I still can't get a date on when they're going to close the offices because at the moment now, you make an appointment which you have to do online by the way and you make the appointment and then you, you can go in so I don't know when we'll try and see if we can find out what's the timeline for the closure of all of the offices 0818 103 103 you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Cleena Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings from 10am. Irish Sunday on C103. Just to clarify something to do with the NDLS, the National Driving Licence Service and the NDLS uh, offices, because this really is a breaking news story because it only came up in the doll yesterday. We can firstly confirm that the NDLS offices, they're not closing nationwide. What they're getting rid of is the walk-in service. Before the pandemic, they had a walk-in service where if your driving licence was due for renewal, you could simply turn up and wait your turn and be seen and get your driving licence sorted out. But the walk-in service, that obviously was stopped 
during the pandemic because of social distancing and compliance with occupational and public health uh, requirements. So what they have decided to do is the plan was that the walk-in service would be back when everything got back to normal. But what they've now decided to do with the department is they're discontinuing that service, which means in order to get a driving licence, you need to go online and make your appointment And that's the problem that is a lot of people are coming up against. If you don't have the facility or you're not able to go online, you know, not everybody's able to do it. And people feel, you know, why should they ask uh, somebody else? And by the way, when you are going online, you need to have a verified MyGovID account. And in order to have a MyGovID account, you have to have a public services card, which Podrick has pointed out, saying, Patricia, just to let people know, you have to have the public services card in order to get a driving licence. We were trying to apply for my son's learner permit, but he doesn't have a public services card, so we weren't able to apply online. So it isn't just as simple as going online to book your appointment. Una is in uh, Bantir. Uh, Good morning. Good morning to you, Una. Good morning, Patricia. Now, it isn't all online. You got a letter. We did. Actually, my husband, uh, his licence is up within the next two weeks. Okay. And he had an appointment to go into the Mallow office on Tuesday last. And he got notification that um, under um, unforeseen circumstances it was cancelled. But on Wednesday morning, we got a letter in the post saying you have two options. You can go online or you can do a postal option to renew your driving licence. Okay. And they sent out a self-addressed envelope and the application form, and we have filled that. He has filled that up and sent it in. And you don't, you don't, it says, please note that a medical report is only valid for one month from the date it is completed by your medical practitioner. No photographs and no application fees required with your postal application. You do not need to include your expiring driving licence with your application because we are over 70s and, you know, we would have to have the medical thing. But yeah. you can do it by post. OK, and so they'll just use the old photograph, is it? Well, we don't know. That's what we're wondering ourselves. We don't know. We, we just sent, my husband just filled out the form and we posted it in. And we're waiting now to see what's. What comes comes back. And you didn't, your husband didn't request to do it by post. They just gave you this option. No, no, no. All right, so there's there's another option. The form form that came out, it says uh, renewing, I'm reading it here, renewing a driving licence by post. And uh, number one, online option. Number two, postal option. Okay, and go back then to when your husband had the appointment that got, due to unforeseen circumstances, got cancelled. How did he make that appointment? He made it online. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's some things we can do, but other things we can't. <laughs> okay. We couldn't set up this Gov ID um, yeah. account. We weren't able to do that. But, yeah. You know, they just, um, it was due for on Tuesday, and that's how we got this letter. Okay, because what they seem to be getting, see, before the pandemic, you could just go into the NDLS could, office. Yes. And, yes. And, they stopped, and it was understandable why they stopped it with social distancing and all yes. of that. But they've realised now that it's worked well enough. So they're getting rid of that service. Yes. And that's what's upsetting some people. But good to know that there is another option of doing it there by post. There is another option, yeah. Okay. Now, we, would, we wouldn't have been able to fill out all the the other things that we need to have, which are just basic, we can just basic do 
Yeah, but you made you, you, you made the appointment. Well done. You did the appointment. Well done. Well done. Well done. And and hopefully the the new driving license will arrive with obviously an older photograph, which is fine. Possible. Which Possible, is fine. Yeah. Which is we'll take the order. He'll be young yeah. forever on his driving license. He will. He will. Thanks, Una. Listen, have a no nice problem, weekend. Patricia, nice talking to you. And lovely talking to you. Thank you for your call. Let me go to Mary in uh, Mallow, who's talking about these services taken away from customers. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, Patricia. Nice to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you as well. You're making the point that I think a lot of people will agree with. They're pushing everything now online, aren't they? Well, they are pushing everything online. I mean, these offices are there as a service for the customers. And it seems to me the customer doesn't matter anymore. It's a, bit like, it's a bit like the banks, isn't it? It's, well, it's, uh, and it's in a lot of cases. I mean, if you went to a, a shop and, uh, what would we say, a hardware shop and uh, you're looking for something and and you you ask them, like, uh, are you getting it in? And they say, well, it's whatever it thinks to us. And I thought, well, where's the customer here? Does, it, does the customer matter anymore? And if, it'd be a real shame if we lose that human interaction and that face-to-face connection. Yes, indeed. And and I think that uh, there's not too many of those offices around that they could keep them open. I mean, yeah, well, uh, well, we've got clarification. They are keeping it opened, but what they're forcing people to do is you'll have to book online to make your appointment. That's, that's and that's that's, that's that's crazy, and that that's that crazy. it just it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for everybody. I think that's that's what the uh, appointment. That's what the the problem is. All right, Mary, thank you for that. Thank you very much. And um, Ellen is kind of agreeing, is saying, do the powers that be ever d- adopt the strategy? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're also happy to be able to go to our local NDLS uh, centre. For me, it's the one in Mallow. What's going to happen to the staff? What if you have a problem online? Where do you go then? Thanks for keeping us updated. Well, they we're now clarifying that the offices are remaining open, but they are now saying to people that you must book online because I'm wondering, listening to uh, what happened in Una's case, they had made the appointment and then got they got offered the the postal service because the uh, it, it got the. The appointment got cancelled. I'm wondering even to get the postal option, will you have to go online first? We'll wait and see. Because I say it is really just a breaking news story because it only came up yesterday in the doll. It's just, I mean, I, I certainly, and I've checked with John Paul, I certainly didn't see any press release come out from the government, from the Department of Transport to say that they were making this permanent, that the walk-in facility was going to be made permanent and that everybody had to book online. But as the problem now, not everybody has the MyGov account. And the reason that not everybody has a MyGov account, you can't set up a MyGov account without a public services card. And John Paul was just saying in the office, he said I, he, he tried to set up a MyGov account and he realises he doesn't have a public services card because the public services card, you have to go in in person. Remember, you were called into an office and you got your photograph taken. And obviously that all stopped as well during the pandemic. So there's a huge cohort of people who don't have a public services card, which means they can't get the verified MyGov ID account, which means they can't get their driving licence. They can't do it simply on a line. They're going to have to go into uh, the office. 0818 103 103. John Paul, taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can to 0862 103 103. And somebody was on earlier saying, do, is, is, the, 
is the, the, is the post office open? I need to collect my pension. Um, the, yes, the post offices are uh, open and somebody really needs to go get their pension because they need to get a job done on their roof. The tiles have been flying off. Be very, very careful of tiles flying off a roof. And if you do have to get your tiles fixed, go with somebody local and somebody that you trust. But yes, post offices are open uh, for anyone that needs to uh, use them. C103 Jobs. Having more electrical, they're recruiting a trainee counter salesperson. It's for the Mallow area. Full training will be provided. Email breed at avonmore.electrical.com. Wesco Windows in Ballinine, they're requiring full time fabricators. CVs to info at westcowindows.com. Business administrator required for a busy veterinary practice that's in Mallow. CVs to Douglas at acravat.ie and the Irish Wheelchair Association they are recruiting community support workers in the Clonakilty and Mallow areas to help with transporting members to resource and outreach centres email CVs to workwithus at iwa.ie you'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more this is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now Minister Stephen Donnelly confirmed that the business case for the Cork Elective Hospital has come back to the Department of Health and it is now being assessed by officials there. The confirmation was given in response to a question raised by Cork North Central Dáil Deputy Colin Burke who uh, joins me. Good morning to Colin. Good morning. Now I, I suppose the background here, how, how long has an elective hospital for Cork been spoken about? It's uh, quite a long time and in fact you can actually go back to the 1960s as a the Fitzgerald report of the 1960s about the reconfiguration uh, of hospitals in Cork in the 1960s proposed that there would be two new hospitals built in Cork. We built one of them and then we parked the building of the second. And if you look at the population of Cork, um, you go back 30 years ago, there was 410,000 people living in Cork. The last census showed that there was 542,000, so that's an increase of 130,000 uh, people living in Cork County and city. And in that 25 years, there's been no new hospital beds opened. Um, now, I know medical procedures have changed in the sense a lot of, uh, I, um, a lot of procedures that were b- before, there was a, a requirement for people to be in hospital for three or four days. A lot of those are now day procedures. But that still doesn't take into account. And I think the nuisances will certainly show that Cork probably has a population in excess of 600,000. Therefore, we must do long-term planning and we must also deal with the immediate challenges that are there. Um, for instance, you take on Tuesday this week. Um, I received a phone call from a family where someone was admitted to COH, to the accident emergency, on Sunday night. They were ni- they're 92 years of age and 50 hours later, because I got my phone call at 10 o'clock on Tuesday night, they were still in the accident and emergency department. There's a, a lady, 92 years of age, and, you know, it just shows that there just isn't capacity. in That's, That is simply not acceptable. Absolutely. And I mean, I did make phone calls in it to try and, and I fully appreciate that staff in COH and in all the other hospitals are under constant pressure. They're trying to, 
you know, people where they have provided the care and then the need to have the people into step-down facilities uh, and there's a delay in getting people into those step-down facilities. So in fairness to the staff, in all of the hospitals are working extremely hard. And and I know, um, and I heard the uh, Stephen Donnelly, the Minister for Health, uh, when I when asked about the elective, this elective hospital, you know, say, was saying that the, the, it was his intention that the government would move quickly on getting the project across the, across the line because he accepted that the hospitals in Cork were under, and I quote, enormous sustained pressure. So it's not that the powers that be of the Department of Health are not aware of this enormous sustained pressure. Yeah, and even though we, we have no, it's no clearly, and I think in fairness, this site in Sarsfield Court has, you know, there's over 100 acres there. You can build, you know, a hospital block by block. So the proposal initially coming back to... Um, from the Slauntercare um, review was that it would be a day facility only. I think the Minister now has accepted that it needs inpatient care as well and the report is now back on his desk. The next step is the Department have, and that is only back on his desk in the last in the last week, the, the, the Department have to assess it and they then have to get the approval of the uh, Public Expenditure Department which goes in under Michael McGrath's uh, as Minister. So we're looking for that to be fast-tracked and I raised this with Philip Walsh and with Paul Reid at the um, Health Committee on Tuesday and, you know, it's just about keeping the pressure on. Mm. What but we just, need to do just, is just, well, just by the way, Just by the way, on the on the actual site, I know in the examiner yesterday they were saying that the the location was uh, St. Stephen's Hospital, uh, Sarsfields Court in uh, Glanmire. But I'm reading in the papers today that Minister Donnelly refused to be drawn on that and said while it's a recommendation has been made for a preferred site, he says no site has been agreed yet. Yeah, and I fully accept that as well, but that is that is the preferred site. But the question is, now we've got to, I think we've just got to try and get this up and running. I think any other site is, you're, you're, you don't have the same freedom that you have in relation to Arsenal score because you have... Um, you have um, a huge amount of space. As I said, there's over 100 acres there. And I do believe that um, we now need to make the decision and get on with the planning process. And that's HSE land as well, isn't that's it? That's HSE yeah, land, yeah, so they yeah. don't have to acquire any additional land. I think there will be a lot of pressure on um, internally for it not to go to Sarsfield Court. Why? <sighs> well, you know, people have agendas and I have to, um, I have to take keep that in mind as well but my view is that this is this is not only an elective hospital for Cork but all, for all of Munster I think it's accessible it's um, it's we we have growing demands in our healthcare sector not just in Cork we, we have problems in Limerick we have problems in Waterford therefore you can do build a centre of excellence in relation to elective surgery and I believe that you have huge potential in the um, grounds in Glanmire and therefore we shouldn't miss that opportunity. Yeah, and when you talk about an elective hospital, your plan would be that this would be 24 hour a day, seven days a week, 365 days. Well, that's what I want. I'm not saying that I'm going to get that, but that's what I want. But just can I go, Patricia, as well, in relation to remember, no matter what we do in relation to deciding the site, the process of getting a hospital built will till, uh, still take some time, even yeah. getting it from deciding the site to having planning will take two years. We also need to deal immediately with the difficulties that the hospitals in Cork have. We need to get access to facilities now for 
day procedures to be, um, like a lot of the consultants that I meet are complaining that before they had a day a week, uh, the use of a, an operating theatre one day a week. Now they're finding they have only um, time, they're only being given a half day a week. So instead of doing, say, eight operations a day, they're now back to doing four operations a day. So we need to get access to facilities. Uh, and that was done very successfully by um, the obstetrics and gynecology team in CUMH, where they got space down in the matter private. Um, the consultants from CMUH went down um, to the matter private and they, there was a waiting list there of 4,500 for gynae procedures. They were all day procedures and there was over 3,000 taken off the list in a very short period Fantastic. of time. So it can, so it can, it can, it can, it can be, done. be done. And but of course, we need, an elective, we need the facilities. An elective hospital, when up and running, as you say, it's, it's not going to be built uh, overnight. But that then would allow the other hospitals to deal with all of the more com- complex medical needs, wouldn't it? Absolutely, and that's the whole idea and that's why we want, and I think the reason why we're concerned about where they were talking about it being a day-only hospital is that, say for our sake, someone comes in for a day procedure and another medical issue is identified and the person needs to be admitted. If you have only day, if you don't have any inpatient beds, then you're in difficulty because you'll then have to transfer that patient to one of the existing hospitals like the Mercy South Infirmary or, or C, uh, CUH. So that's why we're looking for inpatient beds as well. And we have challenges in the other hospitals as well, both in the... Uh, in all of them, in CUH, in the Mercy, in the South Infirmary, for instance, you take in the South Infirmary, uh, you know, we're looking for um, work to be done there as well to um, improve the facilities there in the South Infirmary. Um, we are putting two new theatres in there for ophthalmology. Um, they should be finished by um, the end of July of this year. So that's, uh, that work is ongoing. Um, now, I thought that we would have that work done by the end of last year, but unfortunately it wasn't. Um, but it will be finished by the end of July of the of, of this year, and that's two new theatres that will be there. But there's a whole lot of other areas where we need theatre space, and we also need, need, we need, we Dennis, need beds. Dennis has a question. So can we take it if the elective hospital does go ahead on the site of St. Stephen's Hospital, would that mean that long-term mental health patients in SARS would be moved elsewhere? No, we. I, I think if this is um, if this is a new hospital, it'll be a new building. It will not be taking over any of the existing buildings. So, there's if to take over the existing buildings, it would be not be cost effective. This will be a totally new hospital. Um, as regards the psychiatric services, um, the buildings down in Sarsfields Court need to be improved as well, and, and I think we need to put funding into those as well to bring them up to modern day requirements and I think that's something we need to also work on. But it's not about taking over existing buildings down there, it's about building a totally new building. Okay, and do you believe that the building of an elective hospital, do you believe it could be fast-tracked? Well, I believe uh, when I was Lord Mayor of Cork in 2003-2004, Joe Gavin, who was the then city manager, was very progressive in relation to projects. And we wanted to build uh, a major extension onto the city hall because we had a lot of space rented around the city for staff um, and he wanted to bring it all back in under city hall. And we invited in tenders where the people tendering had to design, build, uh, had to design, apply for the planning, build and finance. And that's what occurred. And they built the extension. It was built in something like 18 months. And um, 
the city council then are paying back for it over 25 years and buying it back in to the control of the city council over 25 years. So it just shows that it can be done and you're fast-tracked. You don't have to go through the various steps that are there in relation to the... It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Um when you're doing any public contracts, it's a long, drawn-out process. Um, and I think we need to, to see how we can fast-track that. And anyone who's involved in the building of schools <clears throat> or, you know, any um, public contracts, it can be drawn out. And, for instance, we had, uh, there are a number of examples around the country, uh, <clears throat> uh, county where school projects that would have started 10 years ago, it, you know, it has taken anything up to seven to eight years to get them from the time it was decided what to do uh, to identifying the site, to getting the planning and to getting it through the department. We can't afford that kind of waiting time in relation to um, in relation to the um, yeah, hospital. And we don't have a great track record of building hospitals when you think of the children's <coughs> hospital, but that's uh, an argument for another day. Listen, uh, Colm, uh, we'll, uh, leave it there. Just before you go, you, you mentioned, of course, that uh, Paul Reid and Robert Watt were before the Oireachtas Health Committee, of which you are a, a member of on uh, Wednesday morning. How do you feel Robert Watt and Paul Reid uh, got on? Did they answer all of your questions in a satisfactory well, way? I suppose I was focused on a particular area, which was about the elective hospital in Cork. Um, and that's why I wanted to tie them down, that we don't have the same long drawn out process in relation to projects. This is about priority now. And, you know, there is a lot of good things happening in the country. You take, say, the number of people in employment now is gone to the highest figure ever. We're, we're very close to 2.5 million people in employment in this country now, and that's a huge increase. Then, because the number of people who are working is going to weigh up, the demand for housing is going to weigh up, but also the demand for medical services is going to weigh up, and we have to react to that growth in population. Remember, the population in the country now is higher than, for the first time ever, than the pre-famine times. And, um, you know, we there's a lot of good things happening, but we need to respond in a faster way to meet the new challenges that are there. 
And the other issue as well, Patricia, that's there, is that there's going to be a huge change, and there is a huge change in demographics. At the moment, 740,000 people are over 65. Um, within the next eight years, that number over 65 will be a million people. We have an ageing population. And 50% of all people in hospital, 50% of all those who occupy beds are over 65. Mm. So therefore, that's the big change. And I mean, it's great that people are living longer. <clears throat> But we, as you say, we need the facilities to look after everybody. And we need to be able to respond yeah. faster. The population is growing, the workforce is growing, the income coming in from taxation is growing, which means we, we have the capacity um, to build, we have the finances there and we need to deliver. OK. All right, we leave it there. Listen, uh, Colm, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. You're very welcome. Thanks. Good morning Sarah. to you. That is Cork North Central, uh, Fine Gael Dáil Deputy, uh, Colm uh, Burke. Um, Sheila in Ministry, this kind of ties in with the NDLS now. No, there will no be, no walk-ins will be allowed. Uh, they're getting rid of that. You're going to have to, if you want to get your driving licence, you're going to have to uh, book your appointment online. Uh, Sheila says, we need to tax two trucks. We drove to the tax office on the model farm road to find the doors shut. But there was a phone number on the front door. We rang that to find out what was going on to be told you can't come in without an appointment. You have to make an appointment to renew the truck the, the, the car tax on the uh, truck. So we then made the appointment, but obviously they didn't have an appointment available for that time. So they said to me to drive back to Mill Street and go up on another day. Could you not? And again, they'll say to you, could you not do that online? But maybe Sheila didn't want to do it online. That's really, really frustrating. So for the tax office now, Sheila says you need to make an appointment before you uh, travel. There's a tree down in Bally David near Cloyne. Wires down with the tree. Okay, electricity wires, I'm assuming and keep well away from that. And then Kathleen in Mitchellstown says she was driving from from Cork to Mitchellstown on the motorway. She said there was three or four cars behind her motoring along nicely and obviously being very careful because of the current driving conditions. She said there was a lorry in front which was carrying a load of sand. Obviously, it's been a very windy morning with Storm Eunice. She said they were between the Glanmire and Watergrass Hill junction. She was just about to pass out the truck with all the sand on the back when wind blew the sand off the truck on to Kathleen as she was driving by and she said for about five seconds she couldn't see anything. Her entire windscreen was full of sand. She said, thank really. I've got very good brakes and obviously the people behind had good brakes uh, as well but she is, she, it got her thinking particularly in weather conditions like today and it's not that Storm Eunice arrived and we didn't know about it. We've been talking about it all week. Should trucks like that, when they're travelling on a motorway with sand in the back, should they be allowed to drive without some kind of cover? Is there not a ruling around having some kind of cover on it? You would have thought so, uh, Kathleen, for sure. Good to know that you're safe and sound, though. But that could have, absolutely, that could have caused an accident. And then when we were talking about public services uh, cards and people needing a public service card in order to get the MyGov uh, the MyGov ID account. Colm Butterfin said he got a public services card but he never asked for one and he never wanted one. He said he did, he did get a phone call saying he needs to apply for his public services card but he said no sorry I don't want one thanks very much and he terminated the phone call. Lo and behold 
didn't he receive a public services card in the post with his photograph on it? So he rang the department and said, hang on a tick, I never wanted this public service card. You never took that photograph of me. Where did you get the photograph from? To be told, they got the photograph from his passport photo, which he said, I never gave permission. And by the way, he said, my card is now out of uh, date. You, you may find yourself in a position, Colm, uh, to do something in the future that you may need to be renewing that public services card. But I didn't realise that they were able to do that, that they could just go to your passport and take the photograph instead. First time I've ever heard of a case like that. Thank you for your call. Uh, call him to 0818 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Now the wonderfully, very funny Mario Rosenstock is set to go back on the road with his Gift Grub Tour, which includes five nights at the Cork Opera House from Tuesday, April 12th to Saturday, April 16th to chat about his tour. Delighted to say that Mario Rosenstock uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mario. Hello, Patricia, and thank you for having me back. And it's great to talk to you again. And I forgot to tell you the last time we talked that Patricia is actually my mother's name, would you believe? Is it? <laughs> Maybe that's why we've <laughs> always gotten on whenever whenever we've met. Now, is it is it great for you to be back? I mean, it's two years since you've yeah. been out playing to full venues uh, again. Yeah, I mean, I was just explaining to your producer, JP, who's who's uh, a tremendous producer, by the way. You should hang on to him, I would, if I were you. But um, I was explaining to him that I'm, I'm a bit like a caged animal going around at the moment. And he's saying he was sort of saying, you must be dying to get out, are you? And I said, I think I'm actually a bit overexcited. So I actually need to calm down a bit before I come out, because this restrained period of time has been, you know, you know, just completely abnormal and weird. And kind of stopping a kind of natural muscle that I use all the time. And the concept of getting out now in front of people is going to be amazing. And not not just for me, but I guess for them as well. I mean, how are they going to feel about sitting with a thousand other people in a crowded theatre? How are they going to respond? And, and I, I guess that whole dynamic of how we gel together again, mix together again, laugh at things together again, um, is going to be a, a really interesting thing to, to for all of us to experience and go through together. So because I'm live, I'll be going through it live each night, I guess, in a slightly different way with everybody. Um, and, and so that will be wonderful and, and weird. Has it been a tough two years for you? I'll be perfectly honest with you, um, Patricia. I wouldn't lie to you. It, it actually hasn't. And uh, for loads of re- reasons that you've probably gone through ad infinitum on your on your radio show before, the chance to be with my family, the chance to sit together at mealtimes, the chance to, you know, uh, watch my children grow up in a microcosmic way. And to be honest with you, I've been on the radio every day. So I've been able to work. Yeah, I've been able yeah. to... I mean, I, we, we were the like, same. It was one of the real advantages to be able to to go to work. I mean, I yeah, felt for I the people whose jobs went completely. Exactly. And I mean, I mean, I'm not playing a sort of Holy Mary here, but it really did go through my mind three, four times a week that I was being allowed to do what I do. And other people were literally being stopped doing what they do for a living. And I can't imagine the, de- the depression um, because one of the un- most underused words, I mean, apart from having no money or whatever, are you know, signing on to the PUP or whatever. But one of the most under euphemistic words in the English language is boredom. Boredom makes it sound like it's the word is self-induced by people. Oh, look at him. He's bored again. Get do something with yourself. 
But when you have nothing to do, when you have no job, when you have no reason to get out of bed, this terrible thing, boredom, can set in. And boredom is a killer for people. Mm. And it's a precursor to depression and it's a precursor to all sorts of negative influences on your life. And I really, my heart goes out to people who are prevented, especially in the hospitality area, who were prevented from doing what they were doing. And I just hope to God that as many of them as possible can come back and refloat and and do what they do. As regards to myself, no, I was fine. I was able to work on the radio. And And I was able to produce stuff online, even and all this sort of stuff. So I'm fine and I'm full of beans and dying. (laughs) And that but that's why people need a good night out as well. And there's nothing better than going to somewhere where you're going to have a good belly laugh. And that's what always happens if you go along to any of Mario's uh, shows. And you particularly love coming to Cork. Yeah, I don't know particularly why Um, from the from I guess I guess something there's a couple of there's a couple of factors and one is that i i went to school in cork and i went to school from my very formative years in other words your adolescent years when you're turning from a boy into a young man and all those hormonal changes that happen to you and they were all associated with me being in cork girls finding a drama finding plays i went to ashton in cork and i had a great teacher called stephen daunt who was literally like a kind of that robin williams figure in dead poet society for me and he was one of the people that inspired me to go and do acting. And Death of a Salesman by Arthur Miller was the first big play I did in Ashton. And I fell in love with drama. And that was what got me in. And I could thank him for, for all of that sort of stuff. Um, then there's the laughing. And then when I started doing doing comedy, I started doing characters like Roy Keane and Ronan O'Gara and, and all of those. And that kind of caught the imagination. But I think that one of the main things in Cork is... Cork people love a piss take. Cork people (laughs) love to take the piss. I don't know what it is. I think there's nowhere more in Ireland that won't let you get ahead of yourself um, than the Cork sense of humour. And they love seeing people being absolutely roasted. I remember one of the first years I was in Cork and I invited Ronan O'Gara to the theatre. And two things happened. I put him in a box uh, with his wife, Jess, and then I shined a light on him. And I started absolutely roasting him into the ground with his, you know, Newbridge cutlery and I am the most boring voice in the entire world and all this sort of stuff. And the place went ballistic and you could see O'Gara slinking into his seat. But at the end, what happened was really interesting. Everybody in the in the in the crowd stood up to honor one of their heroes. So they wanted to take the piss out of him. But when he took it, they all stood up and and gave him a standing ovation and Again, you know, Roy Keane came to see a show I did in in Cork, and Jesus, he sat in the front row. Patricia, he okay. sat in of course the front he would. row of the <laughs> Opera House, and I started doing him in front of him, and he wasn't laughing. And there was something about Roy not laughing. None of the other people in the Opera House would laugh either. <laughs> And then I started ro- laying into Robbie Keane, going, oh, yeah, oh, it's going to go, it's going to go. And as soon as I started doing Robbie Keane, Roy let out a belly laugh. And as soon as people saw Roy laughing, the whole place went into convulsions of laughter because Daddy had laughed. And now we can all laugh because Roy has started laughing. And so it was just brilliant. And, yeah, regardless of uh, so what think, Roy Keane has ever done, we still love our Roy. Oh, yeah, that's the point I'm making. My point is that, you know, you're you're happy to see me take the piss out of him. But there's also an idolatry for your local heroes. And also Cork is a really political town. So it's hugely, you know, Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Labour and, of course, you know, the whole Michael Collins and all this. So it's it's rooted in politics as well. And 
you know, in the beginning of my show, I, Miriam comes on screen. My, my Miriam comes on a big, huge screen. And she does, basically, she introduces to the audience, okay, now you're going to see 20 years of Irish politics in five minutes. And I try to do 20 years of Irish politics in five minutes, incorporating about 13 different characters. And that means I look like them and sound like them as well when I'm doing them. So it's a kind of a, a, a really funny piece. Um, Who's so, your yeah, favourite so of all like... of all of the political ones that you do? Have you favourites? <laughs> oh, God. Well, I, I don't... Uh, jeepers, who is my favourite? Political ones. Yeah. Um, I, I, I always loved Derry John Burton, Patricia. I love her, the way she sounded like a seagull for 20 years on the Irish political scene. I also loved Enda Kenny because he had a kind of a sexy voice, Patricia, and he had a kind of a way of talking to you that women would melt at the knees oh. when Enda, Enda kind of talked. And I love Leo as well because Leo is a kind of a, he's got that sort of rich boy, spoiled brat kind of thing about him, which I, I really like as well. And I've always loved Jerry. Jerry's always been huge. And uh, there's a big song about Jerry at the beginning of the show as well. So, I mean, there's endless amounts of, of, of political things. <laughs> How you could switch. And of course, Michael D is one of my most favourite. And I really wish you would allow me in here, Patricia, because, of course, Michael D is one of my favourite characters and has been since he was Minister for the Arts in 1994. So, um, yeah, I, I, I can't get enough of them. I just love the way you can flick from one, one, to, uh, one to the other. Do you almost get disappointed then when they retire? Because I, I, your Joan Barton is, has got to be my favourite, I have to say. Oh, uh, and I remember nice. when, when she was finishing, I was thinking, oh, God, no, she's going to be gone for Mario. And, and you almost yeah. wish that they'd just all stay on to, gi- to give you as much ammunition as you'd need. In a way, I mean, in a way, there's two parts of me that exist, Patricia. Um, one part of me wants what's best for the Irish nation. The other part of me wants what's worst for the Irish nation with some of these clowns because they give me the best material in the world. <laughs> so I kind of I kind of have two feelings going, come on, Ireland, let's do better. And going and my other side is going, no, Ireland, let's keep these idiots because they're really funny. Um, but actually, um, probably one of the characters I've enjoyed most doing in the last two years, um, Patricia, oh. is, of course, the Minister for Finance, Pascal Donoghue, <laughs> who I have transformed from being a nicey picey good boy who knows the seven times tables that I've given him a kind of an alter ego, which which is basically this fellow I call Ballymoon Pascal, who's really the secret. He's the secret power behind the tr- throne of Leo. And I, I kind of identify this, um, that Pascal who must be harder than he seems um, and tougher than he seems. But funnily enough, even though some of the politicians we have even now are funny, um, I think it's fair to say that maybe they aren't the worst breed of politicians we've ever had. Um, And that's a controversial thing for somebody who's a satirist to say. Um, But I think if you go back to the 70s and 80s, I think there was a real shower of Schlieveens infiltrating our politics. And I think nowadays our politicians, by virtue of the fact that everything is a little more transparent and they have to be, I think they are a bit better. I think there's a better class of politician in power now. I mean, Look, I know your listeners would say, but what about this? What about that? What about the other? Yes, there's always problems. But I think people like, in my view, I'm not a Fine Gael voter or a Fine Gael voter, no political allegiance. But I think people like, you know, Coveney and uh, Pascal Donoghue are a kind of a superior breed of politician, if you like, to maybe... The, the sort of chicken and chips kind of ones we had years and years ago. But anyway, that's another... Yeah, and I, yeah I think you're right. And I always, you know, we listen, we might not always agree with decisions that they make, but I always feel they're in there trying their best. They're in there trying their best, but 
you know, at the end of the day, they're either good or they're not. And I think these ones, you get a kind of a higher class of intellect these days and you get maybe a bit more transparency. I mean, when we're talking about a fella at the Department of Foreign Affairs having a glass of Prosecco because they did a good deal with the UN. I mean, that's not such a bad thing to be complaining about, is it? You know, it's just they got I mean, caught. It's not the worst. He got I mean, caught tweet. To, you know, you know, Step away uh, from well, the absolutely. Twitter. If he hadn't well, tweeted well, well, out well, the well, photo. Absolutely, Miss Messenger. You know, I mean, they talk about parties, you know, in Westminster and parties in Downing Street. You know, we absolutely just have huge, huge parties in comparison to the tiny little parties. You know, Simon Coveney in the Department of Foreign Affairs, ipso facto, chamba wamba, I get knocked down, I get up again. Let's go, let's do it. <laughs> Mario, it's, it's always an absolute pleasure to have you on the programme. Five nights in the Opera House. Tickets are still available? Tickets are still available. Um, Thursday and Friday, sorry, Friday and Saturday are just about sold out. And Monday, Tuesday, or Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, are, are there's still tickets available, Patricia. Um, and I can't wait to perform in front of the people of Cork again. And by the way, just one more thing. I didn't bump into you last week, did I? No. No? Are you sure? Why? Where, where would you have bumped into I, me? I was in this place. I don't know if you know it. I was in this place. It's called the Radio Hall of Fame. Oh. And I was knocking around there and I was talking to Gay Byrne and Jerry Ryan. And of course, it's a mythical place where we can all talk to each other. And they said, do you know who's just arrived into this place? And I went, who, Gay? And she went, Patricia Messenger, would you believe? C103. There she is up on the wall, up on the wall, <laughs> Radio Hall of Famer. So, Patricia, I'd like to wish you congratulations uh, on your fantastic honour. And, you're, of, and of, you're, of, you're up there as well. <laughs> I am, and that's yeah. why I met you there. Yeah, yeah, because I, because I I'm sure I met you at the Radio Awards where you got your Hall of Fame, or it was the year that Ian got. No, it was the year you got it. It was the year you got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, thank yeah. you for that. I, I appreciate. I that. just wanted to congratulate. You're you very kind. Honor. You're very kind, and and we'll meet again in person very soon. Listen, thanks a million. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. God bless. Thanks, Take Patricia. care. Bye. bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, the wonderful Mario Rosenstock. He's just such a nice guy, but he's just such a funny, funny guy. I love his Mary McCallaghan as well. And I absolutely adore his Pascal, uh, who always comes across, Pascal does, as such a nice, nice man as well. OK, we need to take a break. We've got news at uh, 12 midday on the way. John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103. And as Mario said, he's a wonderful producer, but we all know that. Or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thoughts and comments uh, coming into the programme. Mary was listening to me earlier on in the programme when I had uh, Jim Hernan on from the ESB Networks and we were talking about the power outages in the area. Mary says, Patricia had to laugh, but it's not funny to hear Mr Hernan from the ESB Networks advising people to go online to check when power may be restored. He was talking about powercheck.ie. My question is, how does one go online if you don't have power? They need to get read with the advice. Well, now in his defence, Mary... I've had power outages and I've been able to check online. You can check on if you have a mobile phone, you're able to uh, check. So people are able to do that. And it is a really good service, powerchecks.ie. Uh, if you, because it'll firstly check that they, the ESB networks are aware that there's an outage in your area, so you don't need to contact them. But it's also particularly good uh, because they give you kind of a rough time, an expected time when they hope to have power back in your area. And they're usually quite good. The timing on it is 
is usually quite uh, good. Now we're trying to put a call back through to Mario Rosen uh, stock because Mary unfortunately your text came in too late for me and Mar- Mario was gone off uh, the line for us. Mary said I heard the interview with Mario Rosenstock. Please correct me if I'm wrong but was his late grandfather a GP in Kilfinnan? I'm sure I heard him mention it once in an interview. He's such a funny man. He is a very very funny man. I don't know if his grandfather was a GP in Kilfinnan or not but we're going to put a call to because I would be interested to know if he was or not. I know he spent time uh, he, uh, living here in Cork right, but I don't know if, he's, if that's the reason that he was down in this neck of the woods because he had a grandfather in Kilfinnan. So if we get through to Mario before the close of the programme, Mary, I will find uh, that out for you. On the NDLS and what we've been talking about, the NDLS service and the changes to it, they've decided now after COVID that systems are working well for them and the main one being that the walk-in service is going to be gone and you're going to have to make an appointment either online or you can do it over the phone as well but the only thing I've been doing over the phone judging by some of the texts and calls coming into us here people seem to be trying to get through on the phones and just not getting through I think they're trying to push people everybody to do it online Case says Hi Patricia I sent an application for my driver's licence on a form that I downloaded and I sent it off about four weeks ago still haven't received my new license so I phoned them and was told they don't accept downloaded forms for a postal application. I should attend in person at an NDLS office, make the appointment online. Uh, so if someone hasn't a form which is sent out from the NDLS, then they can't apply by post and it's going to take more than an hour to get a reply on the phone, by the way, to make an appointment, says Kay. All right, because Una, remember when Una was on to us earlier and her husband, they sent the forms out. So you would think that the easy way to do it would be to download the forms, Kay, and you were doing the right thing, but you can't do it that way. Okay, so anyone who's trying to apply for a driving licence by post, they must physically send you out the forms, which doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know why, why they're doing that, why they put that system in place. Surely the forms you download would be the very same as the forms that they send out in the post. I can't understand that. And then on the public services cards, and if you want to get your driving licence online, you need to have a public services card because a public services card allows you to set up a mygov.id.ie account and you can only, you need that in order to get your licence online. It's all getting very complicated, isn't it? Somebody said a lot of the public services cards are actually now out of uh, date. I sent mine by post for my over 70s driving licence. That was four, year, four weeks ago. I still haven't heard anything. So I don't know if there's a delay with issuing the driving licence by post or not but certainly some people are telling us that they have had uh, delays. Somebody says they want everyone now to have broadband. It's hard enough to have 20 euro to top up your mobile phone never mind having to pay the cost of broadband. For that reason I don't have any broadband and to be honest we're getting on grand without it. With the cost of living now we have enough to be doing in paying our ESB, our rent, our coal and putting food on the table. At the moment we go to bed early. Why? In order to keep warm and to spare our coal. Reading books in bed to kill the time before we say our rosary. Uh, Online to do everything is a pure joke and I wouldn't ask anyone to help me out and why should I? If I want to go into town now for bread or milk, whoever takes me expects to be paid five euro and some maybe would charge me to show me how to do something online. Not everyone is kind 
says this uh, texter and I am not a, a pensioner well I'm yeah, I don't know why somebody, if they were going to town, why they would be charging you unless they can't afford to make the journey into town and they're bringing you uh, you in and maybe they have no other choice but uh, to charge you. But what, and I don't think anyone would charge you to go online. Well, I hope nobody would charge you to go online. I still like to think that there's a lot of very kind people out there. I, I will say to people, if you have difficulty trying to do something online like that, booking a, booking a test for your driving licence, Citizens, Citizens Information Centre, and that's a free service. The last time we had a chat with someone of Citizens Information, I think it was Anna Donovan, she was making the point that they do that for a number of people who don't have access online and that's the service that they provide free. So there are, if you don't want to ask somebody, a family member and don't want, for whatever reason, or you don't have a family member in which to ask, you can go to Citizens Information. They certainly will uh, help you out. Hi Patricia, as an almost elderly individual who pays all of my bills by cash, I felt discriminated against when I went in to the NDLS office in uh, Mallow because the person who I was dealing with refused to accept a credit card payment for my daughter's credit card who was with me and wanted to pay for my driver's licence. As the attendant claimed that their specific electronic device would not allow this method of payment. However, I have been working in retail and I can guarantee you that their specific electronic device could do this transaction. The attendant then made me do a 50 mile return journey. So much for people watching their carbon footprint. If they don't change this particular rule towards accepting our national and European currency, then as far as I'm concerned, they may as well close a dam and let some foreign telecommunication company do the job because, of course, they refuse cash. That's been there for some time now. Or did that come in during the pandemic? They don't refuse cash. Listen, we've had a number of listeners got caught with that, including, remember, a number of weeks ago, we had somebody who went to get their driving licence and I think they went from West Cork into the city uh, to do it. And when they got there, it was explained. They thought they would take cash. They wouldn't take cash. And they offered a family member over the phone to use a credit card. They said they couldn't take a credit card. I don't know. I think it's got to be a debit card only. I don't quite understand what's going on with the, the card system, but they certainly don't take cash and that has cut out a number of people. And again, it all ties in with getting everybody to do everything online because obviously you're not dealing with cash if you're paying on a line. Hi Patricia, do you know the banks in Formoy are closed until 1pm today? Are they for real? The sun is shining. It's a beautiful day in Formoy. The storm is gone. All the other businesses are open. And obviously this is the person who needs to go into their bank and the bank is closed until 1pm. I wasn't aware of uh, that. Hi Patricia, I got my public services card last year. I contacted the local social welfare office in person to tell them that the my public services card was nearly out of date. They sent me out a new one and they used my original photo because again, because of the pandemic, people weren't allowed to go in and do the public services card and somebody else is saying before Covid ever came out we were all getting a public services card I don't understand how some people haven't got one everyone was due to get one yeah everybody was due to get one and they were working through the list of people that were to get one but unfortunately everybody didn't get one and I know even in my own household I have a public services card and the only reason I managed to get one was Marsha my special needs daughter got called ahead of me I took her this is a good few years ago I took her to an office somewhere in Mallow 
to get our public services card and they took a photograph and we did everything that needed to be done and a very nice man there said have you been called for yours yet and I said no he said sit down there and I'll do you while you're here as well so that's how I got my public services card but my husband still is waiting to be called and John Paul here in the office with me we were only talking about this before we came on air he still hasn't got a public services card so yes you're right the plan was that everyone in the country would receive a public services card but that didn't happen not everybody has uh, received one and as we're hearing from so many listeners those that did get one when they brought out the original cards are starting to go out of uh, date 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie I can see some uh, bingos are going ahead. Uh, Middleton GAA bingo is going ahead this evening as uh, usual uh, with a 7 o'clock start. That has just come in from uh, Marion. Rathmore bingo, that's been cancelled due to the weather conditions and the drive-in bingo in Kildallery Creamery Yard has been cancelled. And somebody was asking about bingo in Mallow. Is that going ahead? It is. It has an 8.15 start. And Timaleague Community Bingo, that is back on tonight and every Friday night at half past eight. And the first social dance in two years is back in Kilbehany Community Centre. The Singing Jarvie will be playing. Dancing is from 9pm to 11.30 and admission is €10 and teas will be served. So get your dancing shoes on for Kilbehany Community uh, Centre. And adult social dancing continues at Fremont Community Hall. That's on every Sunday, 3 to 6. Finbar Dennehy and his band are playing next Sunday. No children, light refreshments will be served and the entry fee is €10. And a monument commemorating 64 young men who died in the Great War of 1914 to 1918 will be unveiled in Charleville tomorrow Saturday at 12 noon. It's at the Old Church of Ireland graveyard near Charleville Library. And a remembrance mass for people and friends whose loved ones died during COVID will be held tomorrow Saturday 12 noon in the Sacred Heart Church on the Western Road. It'll be followed by a short walk of remembrance around the Lee Fields. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And thank you to Dennis to say, yes, Patricia, I can confirm uh, that Mario Rosenstock's Rosenstock's grandfather was a uh, doctor and uh, he was obviously GP in Kilfin and I wasn't aware of that. Thank you for that. We've had problems getting back on to Mario. Hi Patricia, an updated and upgraded Sarsfields Hospital proposal that you spoke about earlier is the right thing to do. But don't worry, bureaucracy and everything else will prevail and hopefully not. And it, it makes the most sense to cite it there because that's HSE land. Why would you go looking to buy land elsewhere when they have this bank of land today? Did Colin Burke say there's about 100, 100 acres of land there? So it certainly does seem like uh, the right move. And we've been talking about an elective hospital in Cork. I think it first got mentioned in 2008 and here we are in 2022 and we still haven't agreed on the site or 
hasn't gone to planning, which Cullum says will take two years. And God knows the building of hospitals. When you look at the Children's Hospital in Dublin, we know how long it is going to take. Will we see it in our lifetime? All we can do is hope and pray that uh, we will. And a couple of people on in defence of Mary, who was having a go at the gentleman, Jim Hernan from the USB Networks, who was saying to people, if your power outage, check see when your power comes back on, go on powercheck.ie. And she was saying, how the hell could anybody do that if your power is out? And I made the point that I've had a power outage at home and I've been able to check on my mobile phone that there are, you know, you can get through if your mobile phone is is still uh, working. Well, a couple of people have come in defence of Mary and uh, says our power went out at 7.30 this morning. At that time, I rang it into the ESB networks and they said due to come back at 11.15. Then we lost all connection with our phones and uh, it only came back a while ago. And then I found that even when my phone was working, the only number it was ring was the actual ESB Network's fault line. And then I found out that our power is not going to be back until 8pm. Oh God, that's unfortunate. They're working flat out though. They really, really are working flat out. And uh, Margaret and Tallow also backing up Mary says, that lady has a point. My mobile, it's the air service, does not work when electrical fault uh, occurs. OK, I accept for some people, their mobile phones will remain working, but it doesn't for everybody. So I'll take that on board. Uh, thank you. Hi, Patricia. Would you please mention that Star Trek's Knock Negri, they're having music this Sunday with Nelly O'Connor from three to half five. And the CD for the air ambulance, you know, the one that Joe Heffernan, our own Joe Heffernan, has been involved with, they will be on sale on Sunday. And that is for a very, very worthy uh, cause. Um, so if you want, if you're going along to Star Trek, Star Trek's in Ochnagri, you can buy one of those CDs, which by all accounts are selling really well, which is uh, terrific. Column in Domanway says the reason it is so difficult uh, to deal with the NDLS is because there is a policy. I feel this is Column in Domanway to disenfranchise people, take away their self determination and independence, and make us all move to a cashless urban society. I feel the Green Party at the forefront of pushing this uh, agenda. I don't know if it's the Greens are doing it. It's been something certainly that has been underway for quite some time. The powers that be seemingly want us to move to a cashless society and wants us uh, to do everything online because obviously it's a cheaper option and it is an easier option and of course it cuts down on the amount of staff you're actually going to need and, and people end up losing their jobs then if everything is done online so I'm not, I'm, I do a lot of stuff online but I'm not the greatest advocate of putting everything online because we will always need to have that human interaction and meeting with people. It's one of the reasons why we constantly talk on this programme about the need to use our post offices because if we don't use our post offices we'll end up losing our post offices and it's only when they're all gone that we really then start to bemoan the fact that uh, something is you know a service that we once had uh, is gone uh, completely. 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls Joan Kamalik was on to confirm that Mario Rosenstock's grandfather was from Kilfinnan he was a doctor and they actually owned a chemist shop in uh, Kilfinnan so all the information is uh, is 
coming back to us now. Thank you for that. Uh, Tony McCroom says, Patricia, I'm suffering from back issues at the moment. There's a problem with discs in my back and I'm in a lot of pain. There is nothing worse, Tony, than back pain. I have a need to go for an MRI scan at the South Infirmary Hospital. But when they said I would be going for a full scan, I've, I've been told I will have to pay €230 Euro as the full cost is not covered under the medical card. Has anybody else come across this before? Well, you need to have a scan. The do- Your doctor has told you you need to have a scan. Tony has a medical card, but certain scans are not covered. Haven't heard of that before, but obviously it's it's a new thing that's in. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Go to the movies with Mark Malone. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you are very welcome. OK, you went to see a movie called 355 and your second movie is The Kingsman. Here is a trailer from The 355. Hands, put your gun down. Three, two, one, pull the trigger. Or you can listen. We all work for different intelligence agencies. American, British, German, Colombian, Chinese. But now we have a common enemy. They have an army. What do we have? Please don't say each other. We're the 355. I like the new team. We'll take it from here. It's an unusual name for a movie, The 355. Yeah, and you spend the whole time watching the movie going, why is it called The 355? Yeah, yeah and at, at some stage, Jessica Chastain says it was her kind of code number for the CIA. So it's like 007. Oh. But then at some stage, as you heard somebody saying, we are The 355, and you think, yeah. no, you're not. So, you know, but nothing surprised me about how silly this film was. Okay, all right. So what's the general storyline? Oh, yeah, that's a very, very good question because there isn't much of a storyline, to be brutally honest with you. You know, it's, a, it's an action movie. Uh, somebody sat down and went, okay, let's, uh, let's make an action movie with, uh, with five women, which is great, which yeah. is what we want to see. We want to see more of it. Uh, but we won't bother with the story too much. But what we'll do is we'll fill it with all these exciting car chases and, 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 and fight scenes and gun battles. And it's all incredibly boring, would you believe? Which is a terrible shame. Apparently, yeah, what happened is that somebody has developed this piece of software and uh, it can basically bring down planes. You can kind of, um, anything that's kind of electronically minded, you can control. So therefore you can turn the power off to a whole city. And if you have that kind of power, then you can control pretty much anything you want. And so it's up for sale. And so we hear that the bad guys uh, are all going to um, be at this sale and to try and buy this piece of software. And individually, we've got uh, the Americans, we've got the Colombians, we've got uh, the British, we've got the Germans. So we've got five different kind of female spies from different um, agencies throughout the world who um, who arrive there to try and get their hands on this software. So it's all the countries coming together. Exactly. And so okay. what they realise very early on is that, look, because they're up against so many bad guys, they decide, look, the best thing to do for us is to, to stick together and uh, be as one and uh, and come together to fight to fight evil. And and that's basically the story, which, uh, you know, it's kind of not, not a bad old kind of story, I think. But they just just throw it out the window and they go, okay, let's just get a lot of action sequences here. Let's kind of pin them all together. And um, unfortunately, the the, the action sequences are so generic. I hate doing this. And I don't particularly like the second film either. I hate coming in here on a Friday and talking to you. I'm hating. Well, I didn't hate them. And uh, disliking both films. And it's such a terrible shame because an awful lot of effort and money went into making this film. And you do kind of think, well, look, if you have that much money and you have that much time and you have all this talent, because all five women are great, you've got Jessica Chastain, you've got Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger, you've got Bing Bing Fan, which is a, an interesting name. Who's you, uh, have I heard of Bing Bing? I've 
Um, she, she's, she's a Chinese actress, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there have been hints that she didn't really put too much effort into this, that she just basically did it for the money because she's got a very similar story to Nicolas Cage. She, too, had um, tax problems, let's say, okay. uh, in China. And so, therefore, uh, she needed to make movies. Yeah, by far the best person in the Lupita Nyong'o is in this. And she is the only one to really kind of put any effort in. And she's very, very good. Uh, look, the, all the women try their best. They really do. But the problem is, is that the direction is so, so bad. It's directed by the guy who made the last X-Men movie and that was terrible and um, and it's all the shaky cam and so many cuts you know uh, I, I was watching Jaws recently and I know I've done this before I shouldn't compare them to Steven Spielberg but if you watch Jaws there are scenes where there are no cuts for three or four minutes but just mm. brilliant actors talking and being fabulous and it is but here there's just so many cuts it's actually very difficult to watch you actually do get quite ill at one stage I watched this with my wife at one stage the, the and she doesn't normally watch this kind of stuff so I had to kind of you know, drag her in and say watch this with me watch this with me uh, where the camera kind of spins around them and uh, and she actually felt quite ill she said oh, oh. I can't I can't watch this and all this shaky cam and it's very very difficult to watch and it's such a shame there are ridiculous um, kind of action sequences which go nowhere they achieve absolutely nothing and it's uh, such a terrible shame because you know action sequences for them to be exciting have to mean something the action sequences here don't mean anything they're just there sorry that's my phone um, they're just there for pretty much no reason and um, and that because because I read in in one of the storylines that the you know the action rockets around the globe they talk from the cafes of Paris to mm-hmm. the markets of Morocco to the glamour of Shanghai and I was thinking oh must have been incredible scenes. Uh, it was all filmed in London, by the oh, way. So, okay. so there's a all lot right. of okay. there's a lot of CGI here, as there is in, in the second film as well. It's a terrible pity. Uh, look, if if that's all you want, if you just want mindless action, which means nothing, then you will enjoy this. Um, my wife did say to me, "How? What are you going to talk about? What are you going to say about this film? It is so terrible." And I went, "Yeah." If so, she didn't like it either. It it did bomb at the box office. The critics weren't kind either. So it's not just me. But if you want just kind of blind, and some of the action sequences, by the way, are okay. Uh, it's not all terrible. Uh, but uh, in the end, unfortunately, it's uh, it's a major disappointment. All right, and it's a pity, as you say, with the strong female cast as well. Exactly. Okay, so mark the th- the three five five out of ten. Uh, I'll give each of them a point because oh. they're they do their best up to a point, and uh, I'll give it five. Five out of ten. Okay, and then your second movie is The King's Man. Yeah, what, this, what have we here? Uh, well, this is the third uh, of the Kingsman oh, films. Okay. Yeah, but this is a prequel. So this is uh, set way before uh, the other two. This is actually um, set just before the outbreak of World War One. What they've done, actually, the screenplay here was written by a guy by the name of uh, Mark Miller, which is based on this comic book called The Secret Service. And this is kind of very interesting because what they've done is they have taken true facts and true um, elements of history and they've worked themselves into it. So therefore, when uh, Francis Ferdinand is killed, Archduke uh, Franz Ferdinand is killed, by the way, which caused World War One. They are there at the scene, and uh, so it's it's a kind of and they, they do that with with a, with a lot of the characters in the film as well. And for example, uh, Risa Fans plays Rasputin. You've got Matahari in the film. You've got oh. you know, and and so what they do is they work the story under, uh, around kind of actual facts, which is very very clever. Unfortunately, the film. Uh, if you I don't know if you've seen the other Kingsman films, have you? I'm trying to think. I'm sure. I'm sure I saw one of them. Well, you certainly the would have remembered. One. I presume you would remember the violence. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I know 
know what I complain about this? That when I first saw the first Kingsman film, it was kind of a, a play on kind of James Bond. And I thought, wow, this is going to be really, really good. And then, of course, you realise that it's it's not made for families. It's actually made uh, for people who want to see extraordinary violence. And Matthew Vaughan tends to do that. He tends to just turn the violence up to 11, which I thought was a, a terrible shame. When I went back and watched them the second time, I enjoyed them better because then I realised what he was trying to do mm. and the audience that he was targeting. And unfortunately, well, there's one thing. The other thing, too, is there was a kind of a sleazy kind of a misogynistic kind of um, thread also going through the previous two films. At least that's not here this time. The violence isn't as bad, but it is still a 16-cert film, so it's not for, for everybody. And when the violence does happen, it, it is quite shocking. It's an odd film in the sense that there's, it's, it's kind of in two kind of halves. The very first half of the film is like a farce. It's like a, a comedy farce, especially, uh, as I mentioned, the performance of Risa Fans as Rasputin, which is completely over the top. And he's involved with this crazy kind of fight scene uh, where he ends up... By the way, the, the, the main star of the film is Ray Fiennes here. And, uh, great, and he's a great actor. He's a terrific actor. But, this yeah. is, but the, the, the fight scene between them is very, very odd, where Risa Fiennes as Rasputin licks the top of his thigh at one stage in a really weird kind of way. And you're like, what am I watching? This is very strange. And there's a lot of that happening. There's a, very, a lot of very strange things happening. And it's like a farce, that the, as I say, with all the, the, the performances being really over the top, <clears throat> a lot of humour. And then the film kind of stops. And then he's, it's like the, he's decided, I'm going to make his version of, uh, of, um, of, um, of 1917. And then it becomes a very, very kind of serious war movie for a while. And then there's a couple of action sequences then at the end. So it doesn't really seem to know what it wants to be. Is it a farce? Is it a comedy? Is it a serious look at, uh, at war? It's all of those things. So it's very, very odd. When it's good, it's fabulous. It really is. There were times when I was kind of blown away by it. But I spent the whole time thinking, this really doesn't work. This is really, really very, very odd indeed and good cast as you say Ray Fiennes is it Gemma Arterton who isn't given enough to do Risa Fiennes as Rasputin is completely over the top but entertainingly so and uh, Charles Dance he plays Kitchener the actual Kitchener as well mm. so um, it's a fascinating film it is violent beware of that it's not for all the family and um, I think maybe again like the first two films when I first saw them it was just the level of violence kind of shocked me I went back and, and, and uh, I enjoyed them more maybe if I go back and watch this again I you might, might warm but as as for a first watch, it is very odd. Okay, but be 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 warned of the violence. Okay, so the Kingsman market out of ten. I'll give it six. Six out of ten. Okay, listen. Thank you for that, Mark. Have a lovely week. You too. And oh, you're on next. I'm you? on you're, next. You're filling in for, for Nick. Nick's on a day off. Okay, we we look forward to hearing you at one. Thanks for that, Mark. That's uh, Mark Malone, our movie reviewer. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. And by the way, we've had uh, a flurry of of calls in from people saying that there has been an issue with mobile phone services in West. Cork obviously due to Storm Eunice uh, there must be I, I, I don't know there must be some tra- transmitter down or something but there's a, a massive problem with mobile phone coverage across the West Cork area and I know for a spell of time and thank you to people who took time out to send uh, texts and WhatsApps in I know we were off C103 was off in West Cork I think we're back on now I had a couple of people were saying they managed to get us on the app instead which was very clever of you uh, to think of that but there seems to have been it's just all to do with Storm at Eunice and it's all tied in with the power outages uh, etc and we know that the guys are working as hard as they can at the ESP networks to try and get people back up and running as uh, quickly as possible. Okay just a quick number of texts in. Hi Patricia I applied for renewal for my driving licence recently. I got the doctor to fill in the medical form, uploaded it from my mobile phone. I got an email confirmation and the licence arrived five 
five days later it worked okay for me says John on the Paula Duff Road who is saying a person over the age of 70 no problem at all doing everything online and John I did mention that point that there are a lot of people um, in the older generation who are very very proficient and very computer literate but unfortunately not everybody is and that isn't just for the older generation we've heard from people including one listener who says I am not anywhere near being an old age pensioner but I don't have broadband and I don't want to do anything online I don't have the facilities to do anything online it just doesn't suit everyone but when it does suit people and when it works for people like it worked for you it can be and is an absolutely very efficient service Uh, Thank you for your text John and then Sheila was on and I thought we clarified this a few weeks ago but maybe not everyone is getting the message about this. This is to do with the local property tax. Sheila says, hi Trish, I got my local property tax form a number of weeks ago, it was well before Christmas wasn't it, to assess how much I need to pay and you know we all had to do self-assessment again on how much your property was worth. I sent the forms back but I'm still waiting for the payment form. I'm wondering has this happened to anybody uh, else says Sheila in Kilworth who says incidentally we've just had a show snow shower in Kilworth. We had some hail here. The skies have gone very dark for sure so there is snow out and about as well. Okay, uh, Sheila, you, the reason that you haven't received a payment form is you're not going to receive a payment form. What you need to do is if you pay, I'm assuming that you pay, you've been paying your local property tax at your local post office. You just need to go into your local post office and tell them how much you agreed, how much you revalued your house for your local property tax number will be on the first form that they sent you out but they're not resending out payment forms it's the same for people who maybe have already set up a direct debit your direct debit will just go out I think it's March isn't it when the direct debits go out for the local property tax so if you set up a direct debit that will go out on time but if you've been in the past paying yourself in the post office you're not going to get an updated payment form you just have to go in yourself and to the post office and they'll do the rest for you there but no, no new payment forms were sent out. Thank you to Michael and Castleton Bear to say, Patricia, you're back on air. C103 is back in West Cork. Uh, internet is just back in the Bear Peninsula, but we still don't have the ESB outage is still uh, gone. Yeah, parts of West Cork, a huge number of people lost power in West Cork. But all I can tell you, because uh, we got we had that confirmed from uh, Jim Ahern for the ESB networks, the guys are out doing their very best to try to get power back and hopefully it'll come back to everybody sooner rather than later. Now before we go somebody's asking is Neffert gone Patricia? Well Dr Tony Houlihan they had uh, their meeting a uh, three hour meeting yesterday and towards the end of it Dr Tony Houlihan indicated that it would possibly be their last meeting but obviously he did say that he couldn't prejudge decisions by Minister uh, Donnelly about future management of the pandemic it's up to obviously it's up to Stephen Donnelly to decide if Neffert is gone. It's possible that the COVID 19 expert advisory group to the chief medical officer will be established uh, instead. But what's noteworthy from yesterday's three hour meeting of Neffet at the end of it, no date or time was set for the next meeting of the Neffet team. And that would indicate that yesterday's meeting was the last because at the end of every Neffet meeting, they decide a day and a time for the next meeting and they didn't do that yesterday. So we'll take it that that is their last. And somebody else is asking, uh, when is the no mask rule coming in? I I haven't got an exact date on it uh, yet, but we do know 
that the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, along with Neffet, have advised to end that we're now at the the we're now at the end of the emergency phase phase of COVID nineteen and because of that they've been told to scrap the remaining public health uh, restrictions which of course include a uh, mask uh, wearing so what's expected to happen is that that now goes to a meeting of the cabinet that meeting is expected to happen I think it's going to be next. Uh, Tuesday and it'll be at that meeting that the Cabinet then will abolish the need to wear masks even though hospital staff, it's looking like in hospital settings masks, we're we're still waiting on the exact detail of what's going to happen uh, then. For the schools they're expecting measures will come in when the children, primary and secondary return after midterm break which is going to be the end of mask wearing and the end of pods and the end of the other health protocols in uh, school. Uh, Minister Donnelly intends to scrap the final public health measures by way of signing regulations next Tuesday. That's when Cabinet agrees it and they could come in almost immediately so it could be as early as next Tuesday We'll follow up on that next week. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. As we mentioned, Mark Malone is in for Nick for the afternoon. Afternoon. We're back with you on Monday morning at ten. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Look after yourself and stay safe. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.